0: Amen. Well, it's been a tremendous two months. Don't I look so healthy? I recommend a sabbatical for all of you. Just do it. Just go. Not anytime soon, but do it. It's been a great time for my family and I, and I thank you so much for granting that to us. Um, It's been a little unique this morning, uh, to say the least. One of the aspects of our sabbatical is that we're supposed to kind of tour around and go to other churches. And that was fantastic to worship with other believers all around this valley and, and in some other places as well. Isn't it refreshing to know that even right now there are those that believe in Jesus Christ that are gathered and have gathered since before you even got up around the world. Some in places where it will cost them much if they are to go and gather in His name. Some who have gotten up searching and seeking for something profound that will reach to their life, that will speak life into them. And they found it today. I pray this morning that whatever you come with, whether it's a rejoicing heart or a searching heart, you do not leave today without being blessed by God. And I believe that that will happen. But as we toured through different churches, I will share with you, I've already had my blessing today. And now I get to preach from the Word. So that's fantastic. That's, that's just cake. And the beauty of it is, is, is we were sitting here, and I, I, I know I speak for my wife. I could sense it from her when we were singing the last couple songs. We went from church to church to church, and we loved worshiping with the other believers. But it just... Galvanized in our heart that this is home. I cannot tell you how blessed you are to have Stephen Morgan as a worship leader. He's, and I'll just say this for Stephen's behalf: you're much better than the guy I saw last week. I'm not saying where we were last week, but he knows. So does Keith and Patty. And you can tell the other guy, too, I said that. Um, But I thought I'd share... You want to see just a couple slides, you know? Remember that going back on your... You know, Grandpa brings over the slideshow. And this is where we were in 1932. (laughs) Well, let me give you a little bit of that before I get too old that I can't speak about it. So the the trip started out at Hume Lake. This is my brother-in-law catching Big Bertha... Um, And, uh, so we were at Hume Lake for a week with the entire family. Great time with family. June was family month, and, uh, we had a fantastic time there. Then we took it on the road, and this is in Portland, Oregon. That's our hotel room up in the right, the, the corner shot, second floor, and, uh, Janine's hoping that the girls are still in the room as we get back. And, uh, and then this was our effort to be sophisticated and cultured. We went to Sam, Seattle Art Museum. I never thought that would happen on a trip with my own children. We're walking along the street trying to figure out what to do. The fish market's closed. What are we doing? Everybody's kind of down in dumps. And, and all of a sudden we see Sam. And, and Jericho says, Let's go to Sam. I'm like, What is Sam? And then I find out, like, there's Monet's in there, there's Rembrandt, there's all this stuff. I'm like, you girls really want. So this was the best picture in the entire museum. (laughs) That's true art right there. So from there, what did we do? Well, the next day, we went to the Seattle Space Needle and lived the dream. This is my daughter, Gentry, busking out in front of the Seattle Space Needle, and she actually earned $2. (laughs) Now here's the fascinating thing. Is that we were up against high art society because the gal next to us there, she would just type things. That was her thing. She would just type things. It was hard to compete with that. I'm not sure. But we got a lot more action than she did. So I'm really proud of Gentry. Next, this was my favorite part. Uh, This is uh, Keith. Where is this? Yes. And uh, so Gentry and I went in there, had a blast, and that is just a wall of guitars and music stuff, and, and so that was a fun part, and then this was where I met Jesus. <laughs> All that other stuff was just me, but this is where I met Jesus, and this was a hot tip from my brother-in-law. The top of four, before you go down over into Nevada where there, there's other people, this is Mosquito Lake, and I spent some great time out there in a float tube, um, praying, and talking with the Lord, and uh, just had a, a great time of restoration. So, thank you so much. That's a little bit of our family slideshow. You can ask us more questions this morning. Let's start in 1 John. And this is where we're going to be for our primary verse. 1 John 4, eight. This morning as we start in, I'm, I'm, this is going to be fairly brief, but I, I was praying since I felt compelled to come back a day early so that I could experience the lifetime experience. I thought, Lord, what would you have me speak on? What would you have me share to our people? And this idea of fear and love came to me. I've, I've been asked what was the single greatest thing that I contemplated or learned on my sabbatical. I don't know that I've narrowed it down, but I will tell you, if you have a lot of time on your hands, do not watch news. Don't do it. Spare yourself. Brothers and sisters, our nation is in a free fall. And it's going to get worse. And it's a free fall of fear. This is not what God has called us to. Now, when we started Lifetime... Becky, our executive director, and myself and my wife and her husband Steve, we were at a retreat and we just started dreaming. We started envisioning things. What would God have us do with what we have here? We're just a small Bible family church. But you know what we're like that church in Philadelphia out of Revelation? We're small, but we're mighty because we have God's hand. We have God's hand. And so God laid it on our hearts to do the impossible. And I will tell you that there is, there can be great fear in saying, hey, we as a church are going to open our doors and staff an eight-week program eight hours a day where we hire people and bring them in to encourage, uplift, and love on your children. And when we presented that to our leadership they said well that sounds great I said well, well wait a minute we have to pay those people oh well what's that mean well that means it's going to cost us about 22 to 23 thousand dollars for an 8 week program ok how are we going to do that pastor I said I don't know but if God's asked us to do it He'll provide. At the end of this week, on Friday, we will have completed our sixth year of walking in faith and love, not fear. And we will come up in the black and God will provide again and lives will be changed again. That's what it means to live in love and not fear. And I just want to encourage you, this staff, the stories that I hear from my wife, this staff loves your children. And one of the main reasons that we do Lifetime is that we know it's a tough world out there. We know that it's tough for you. We know that it's challenging. And we know that they need some love. We, need the, we know that they need that encouragement. Six years of doing something that's in, incredibly fearful. Becky will tell you. I give you permission to tell them. She came to me about five months ago. Minimum wage went up. And she says, Pastor Jeremy, it's going to cost us over $30,000 to do camp this year. How ash and white did I turn... (laughs) And I knew what was going on in my left side, right? That's always the good side, right? That's the good angel. The good angel's over here. Just smile. Just smile. Act godly. Don't show any faltering in your faith. Don't, don't give a crack. And the other side's just screaming on the other side. Ah, financial doom! Which voice do you listen to? The one of fear or the one of love? This passage is so incredibly powerful. I encourage you, if you can, write it down. In verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. This is what we're shooting towards today, my friends. And so travel with me a little bit, will you? And we're going to end up with a great epic story. And I hope that your story, as it's written day in, day out, your story may change a little bit today because of the words that you hear. Well, let's talk about our struggle with fear. Fear produces anger. These are all, you know, these are all the things that we've studied in in high school psychology, right? It produces anger, isolation. It can produce violence or loss of opportunity. How many of us didn't step out? We had an opportunity laid before us, but our fears got the better of us and we were left with regret because we weren't willing to respond. You know, we wouldn't have had those 26 beautiful faces up here had we made a choice not to act in love six, seven years ago as a church. Fear twists perspective, doesn't it? It can take what everyone else sees as something that is workable, is is good, and have you ever met the person that's standing in the middle of that and just wants to argue it and, and refuses to move into it and refuses to participate in it? Because why? Because of fear. Missed opportunities. Loss of opportunities. I told you that during my sabbatical... I was going to lose 65 pounds. Ta-da! <laughs> Some people are like, "Where did it what happened? Where did it go? Uh, I lost it in my feet. I had like 30 pounds in each foot. It's unbelievable how great my feet look now. No, I'm, I'm working towards it. It's a goal. And, uh, but here's the thing. Now I have a fear of never eating sugar again. It's a constant pounding in my head. As my children flaunt pizza and carbs and, and candy. I went to a movie the other night with my wife and my kids. First time, I think, in 28 years, I haven't gotten anything to eat at a movie. I fear I will never have joy in a movie again. I'm also growing in my fear of vegetables. Because that's all I'm eating. And I'm afraid that it's going to turn my skin green or squashy or something. I don't know. So what's the answer to fear? Well, the cultural answer is counseling, right? The cultural answer is counseling. And before I get too far into that point, let me just share with you, counseling is fantastic. We need that. It's a biblical concept for us to share with one another, to, to share each other's burdens straight out of Galatians. The challenge is, is that you need someone who's going to help you during that counseling. Who's going to be an advocate for you in that counseling? So much of what is offered today because of the strain on the system, as I meet with individual after individual after individual, they just aren't even asked the pertinent questions because there's no time to ask the pertinent questions in counseling. So, then the next answer sometimes is medication. And, folks, sometimes there's a place for that. But I think far too often I look for the easy route out if I'm not feeling good, if I feel overwhelmed. Are you like me? You know? I I was up at a a cabin up in Twainheart and uh, I hadn't eaten for, I think, a half hour, so I was starving. No, I hadn't eaten most of the day. I'd been up fishing up the 108 cor- corridor and, and uh, you know, I don't eat fish, so it's kind of redundant. And so I get back to town about 10 o'clock and I'm starving. The only place open is a pizza place. Can I just confess to you that I broke my fast? But I will also confess to you I never knew I could eat an entire medium pizza by myself. <laughs> that was counseling and medication at the same time. Okay, So I don't know if you're like me, but there are those moments where I'm willing to compromise and medicate that wound deep within my stomach or soul. You hear the sarcasm, right? On a week where we're having problems differentiating sarcasm, I want to make sure that you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes we meet fear with alcohol or drugs because we don't know where else to go. Counseling has failed us. Medication has failed us. So we move into alcohol or drugs. Sometimes it's debt. Sometimes we believe that if we have more, we'll feel more secure. Right? And then we build up debt upon debt upon debt. Even as a nation we do that. And then... You know, you hear me being self-effacing, right? Sometimes it's food. Sometimes when we feel overwhelmed by fear, we, we drive to food. And we live on that. How many stories were never written because of fear? How many stories have been written the way they were never supposed to be told because of a lack of love? I'm going to tell you a story right now. Two stories. That hopefully will help you understand the beauty of what love can do to dissolve fear in your life. Number one, I was dating this gorgeous woman sitting in the front row. We were dating for a while. She'll say it in eternity (laughs) before I finally figured it out. And we had the talk. The talk. And I'll never forget, it was actually in a church parking lot because I was hoping for some divine protection. <laughs> it didn't happen. And I came to a realization that it wasn't fair that, 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 that to keep going down a path of non-movement, right? Of not, not moving forward wasn't fair to her. And so the next move for us was to get engaged and get married. But here was my struggle out of fear that I didn't see a single marriage, not my family, not around my sphere of influence within the church that I was at. I didn't see a single marriage that painted the picture of what marriage was always described to me as. Maybe I did, but I chose not to look at those things. I chose to listen to the bullhorn Squawking in my ear about all the failed messages or marriages. And my thought in that was simply this none of those people, none of those people went to the altar of marriage expecting to get divorced and to have it fall apart. How can I do any better? How can I do any better? I could say, because I have Jesus, right? They have Jesus. How can I do any better? and that fear of failure in a marriage distorted and twisted my perspective to thinking that that was the most important thing and i almost lost the best thing i have in my life and then my mentor kicked me in the head and said get your thinking straight idiot and put a ring on it and he was right And I will tell you, we're now working on our 25th year of marriage. There is no fear in this marriage. The only reason that happens is because of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ. Just like Lifetime, if we hadn't been driven by the love of Christ to reach our community with love, we would focus on what? Fear. We can't do that thinking about all the failed marriages, I, would, I was saying, what? I can't do this. I can't do this. But when I chose to focus on my love, my story now has 25 years of beautiful marriage. That's the power of love over fear. No missed opportunities. Well, let's look at a biblical answer, shall we? Let me, uh, here we go. Let's go to this story, shall we? Turn to Matthew 14, 28. Matthew 14, 28. And many of us are familiar with this, right? We've seen pictures of it. We've seen this on velvet, like Elvis on velvet. It's been uh, immortalized in the pantheon of scriptural stories. In Matthew 14, this, this passage, 28 through 31, is one of my favorites. It's phenomenal. And understand that the disciples are out in the middle of the night. Actually, it's about 3 a.m. in the morning and they're in the dark out on the Sea of Galilee and they see Jesus walking on the Sea of Galilee. Have you ever watched these things on like the History Channel? These ghost hunter guys? So scary, right? They're walking around with all this stuff and, you know, infrared this and that and the spectrometer and what whatever and everything's shot in this green haze and... And then it's like, you know, there's some guy off to the side that goes, and everybody goes, did you hear that? Oh, the hair's standing up on the back of my neck. The guy's completely bald. Look, we, we, we manufacture this stuff because why? How, does, how do the series keep going? And even cops is off the, off the air. But these things just keep going and going because there's an understanding of the spiritual world. That it's out there. It resonates with us. And these guys are in a boat and all of a sudden they see what they think is kind of an apparition walking across. This, can't, this doesn't work. We're in the middle of the... You cannot be out here. But it is. It is. So you have two choices as an individual in the boat. Either you're living in great fear or what? Something magical happens. Something incredible happens. Something that is beyond thinking and fathom of thinking happens. And it happens because of one reason, and that's love. Let's look at it. And Peter answered Him, by the way, they're all living in fear. If you go up to verse 26, but when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were what? They were rejoicing. They broke out party poppers. They were clanging champagne glass. No, it says what? They were terrified. They were terrified. doesn't work and they said it's a ghost and they cried out in fear our society is crying out in fear my friends we're crying out in fear but listen to what Jesus says but immediately Jesus spoke to them and saying take heart and then he says what don't worry be happy Right. Oh, it's okay. I've got my hand on your 401k. It'll survive. Don't worry. Your children will grow up healthy and strong. It's all right. You know, yeah, you lost your job. But I got another job. He didn't say anything. He said, it's me. It's me free. It's me. How can we who have tasted of that grace of Jesus Christ ever choose to live in fear? Again? Watch what happens to Peter. So the rest of the story, Peter answers him and says, Lord, if it is you commanding to come to you, In the name of Jesus Christ. Are you seeing Jesus? Are you inspired or are you living in fear? The reason that we were able to see some of you this morning. And these children here is because we chose to see Jesus. And what he can do. And not the wind and the waves. Because what happens next is just so predictable. It's so predictable. I don't even need to read it. What happens? He sees the wind and it was wild. Here comes fear. Is this not our struggle? Is this not our struggle? You just paid off that last bill, and you're out from underneath that final debt. And all the fear of you, and it was your task. Seven days later, you get a medical bill and you have What did he cry out? Did he argue the sonship of Christ? Did he want to debate the effectiveness and efficacy of the church and its giving patterns? Did he say, Well, I'm just a lowly fisherman and you're the son of God, I'm not worthy? Did he say, Oh, took my eyes off you. Look, I'm just going to wait for the Coast Guard. <laughs> right? I'm going to hit my little beacon here on my Cloth and I'll, I'm good. They'll be by in about an hour and a half to pick me up. <laughs> Brothers and sisters who know Jesus Christ, do we not try to solve our problems when those fears start coming up for practical things? Instead of immediately crying out to Jesus, say. Now, for those of us this morning that are seeking that, maybe we're not seeking yet, but we need to seek. We need to ask those questions, those tough questions. Is Jesus real? Is he who he says he is? These guys all saw it happen. How I many of you, if you saw someone walking on the water, would admit that to your friends at a poker game? Maybe after 10 years, I don't know. I'm not telling somebody if Jesus shows up while I'm fishing and starts walking. Well, I probably, I pretty probably give me a shout out. These guys are not important guys. And this story going forward benefits them nothing. As a matter of fact, it makes them look like fools. So the veracity of this story and so many others as to who Jesus is came at a cost. And that brings forth its truth, its verification. But that's probably not enough for most of us. The reality of the idea of seeking Jesus and being where Peter is, where you start to drown, and your fears start to overwhelm you, it's this simple. Are you prepared? Are you willing to look to Jesus and say the words that Jesus says? Jesus, save. So what happens? Well, Jesus does what? Jesus... saying, I'll get back to you in a week. Let me go to my study and I'll pray over it. I'm going to have one of my deacons come by and help you out. It says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, "Oh you of little faith, why do you doubt? My question this morning in finishing is this. How do you relate relate to this passage that you see on the screen? See, because Jesus reached out immediately and took Peter by the hand. Do we want to live in a world of fear and to be capsized by that? Or do we want to feel the presence of the love of Jesus Christ reaching out for us and pulling us to see and saving us? Because why? Because He loves us. Because He loves us. As I close this morning, then we're going to have the band come and close with it in a message or in a song. I just have a twofold question for you. Number one, if you know Christ, if you've committed your heart to Him, if you've experienced that, power, <coughs> you don't just get in a boat, right? Because this story isn't about the other yahoos in the boat. The story is about one guy named Jesus. So it doesn't count to overcome that fear by. Just going to church, or just by being named in a group of disciples. <clears throat> you see, you have to act. And if you're drawn to him in love, then he reaches out and believes you do. He saves you. He saves you from fear because of his love. The question for us this morning is twofold. Number one, if we have experienced that love, if we know that love, we've tasted that love, we're his. Why are we letting fear creep back into our life over and over and over and over again? You know the answer, don't you? It's in the words of scripture. It's because we stopped looking at Jesus. We forgot his love. We forgot his love. Can I encourage you to repent from that this morning? Say fear has no place in my life. Second, this morning, if you've gotten out of the boat because you're just seeking Jesus this morning and something's speaking to your heart, that you are crying out, save me, respond to that. Don't wait. The Coast Guard's not coming spiritually for you. I encourage you. Peter didn't rationalize it. He didn't overthink it. He knew he was drowning and he needed to be what? Saved. And he simply called to the one that he saw standing on the water who has the power. What's it saying? For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That sounds very appealing to me today. In the culture and the society that I live in. And that's available to you. Have Jesus immediately reach his hand. And take you by the hand. You just have to respond to it let me close in prayer and pray over our offering this morning. Thank you for being here. And when I close in prayer this morning, if you believe God's calling to you, if you believe that you're ready to get out of that boat a little bit and keep your eyes focused on Christ, and you've not done that, you don't know that love of Christ yet, but you're done with the fear And you're crying out this morning, Jesus, save me. I'm going to pray for you in this prayer. Let's go first. Lord God, I ask this morning that we understand from this story and these words from Paul at the end, that God, you have not given us a a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That the reality of that can truly work. We see it in lifetime. Lord, there's so much fear fear that can happen in trying to do something like this, but because of your love, because of your love working practically through people, the impossible happens. Father, I know that we all struggle For some of us, we just got our eyes distracted by our circumstances. We need to get our eyes back on you. But for others, we have yet to cry out save me. And to feel that immediate touch of your hand. I pray for those this morning that if that work is happening in their heart, if the Holy Spirit is drawing them to get out of that boat and say, save me. That you will speak to them now, in this moment, immediately. And that they would call out with their spirit to you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for these families. We pray that they are blessed. We pray that they see your grace and your blessing extended out.